You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. We're going to dive in here pretty quick. Today we're in part number two of a series on covenant. Everyone say that to me. Say covenant. Come on, say it like you mean it. Covenant. We're talking about covenant, and this is one of those topics that if we're not careful, it can, uh, because of our culture, it can be foreign language to us, and we don't understand the weight of what covenant really means. And if, you, if you're new here, maybe you weren't here last week, I would t- encourage you, go back and listen to last week's podcast. It's on our website, or you can watch it on YouTube. Go back and watch that message. It truly is the foundation for where we're going in this series, and specifically today, we're going to be talking about the Abrahamic covenant. Say that after me. Say Abrahamic. Come on now. Say Abrahamic. Abrahamic covenant. This is an important one because it's one of those ones too that as we read through scripture, we talk about Abraham and we see how God moved in Abraham's life. But if, again, if we're not intentional, we can just think, well, that was a good story or that was back then or that was for Abraham. But as we're going to see today, the story of Abraham has a lot to do with you right here today in this room. The story of Abraham has promises attached to it, and the covenant with Abraham has promises attached to it that you have rights to. Spiritually, you have legal rights to these promises, and we're going to talk about some of those today, and we're going to get more into it this week or in the next few weeks to come. But I would just remind us again, today I'm going to cover a lot of content. just going to tell you beforehand, I'm going to cover a lot of content, all right? But in this content... Go home, take those note cards, study it. As always, take God's word for it, not my word. Take God's word for it. Go home, study this content. Today is just the, the jumping off point. As I'm going to remind you of what I said last week. It's like Thanksgiving. There's a lot of meat and potatoes today. But if we're just eating on Sunday and we're not feeding ourselves spiritually through the week, we are missing it. You will never see exponential spiritual growth like God wants in your life. You have got to take what we talk about today and get in God's word this week and digest it and consume more yourself. You can't just eat spiritually one day a week, but it's going to be good today. You guys ready? Come on, let's go. So here's what we're talking about, the Abrahamic covenant. Last week we talked about and we compared the old covenant versus the new. We are in a new covenant right now today. When I believe in Jesus and I die to myself, I step into a new covenant with Christ. We have amazing promises that are attached to that, amazing potential attached to that, but we got to walk in it. We have to know about it. We're going to talk about, though, how the new covenant is contrasted to the old, but it is compared to the Abrahamic, the Abrahamic covenant. And we're going to dive into it. And maybe, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, Pastor Dan, I'm no, I'm no scholar, okay? Like, I don't have this, this book memorized from front to cover. You know, what are, Abrahamic covenant, like, what exactly are we talking about? Today, I'm going to give you the big blocks of what happened in the, Abra- the covenant that God made with Abraham so that we can see how it applies to us today. And in the weeks to come, We're going to break down in more detail some of the events that happened with Abraham. But here's the first thing we've got to understand is we have to see the picture, which is point number one, of how God and Abraham cut the covenant, how they cut the covenant. We have to understand this process, and we have to understand the the things that took place, the events that took place as they cut the covenant. And we say cut the covenant because, as we talked last week, the word covenant in the original language literally means to cut to cut. 
And what would happen, and we're going to read it in just a second, it was uh, to make a blood covenant was just that. It was a bloody mess, okay? But it was for good reason. And what would happen is as they would go through this process, they would have this trail of blood that they would walk through, and they would raise their right hand, and they would make these vows, these covenant vows to each other, and they would say, hey, I'm doing this for you. You're going to do that for me. And basically, this, this trail of blood would, would be this statement right here. Let this, what we have done to these animals... Let this happen to me if I break my end of it. If I break the, my side of the covenant, let this happen to me. Anybody in here ever had somebody break a promise to you? Hey, I'll be there. I'm going to, you know, especially if, you, you know, if you're a manager or something at work. Yeah, I'm going to be there on time. I'll, yeah. See, if you you smiling, you know what I'm talking about, right? They weren't there on time. They didn't show up on time. The meeting started late, whatever it was. God doesn't break covenant promises. It's impossible. And I'm going to show you where we see that in Scripture today. He doesn't break it. It may not come in our timing, but he cannot legally, spiritually, legally break his covenant promises. Let's look at the process of cutting the covenant. Genesis 15, we're going to start in verse 9. And so let me read this here. It says, so he, this is God, said to him, Abram, this is before his name was changed to Abraham. So Abram, He said, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him, and he cut them in two down the middle, and he placed each side opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. Let's stop here for a second. As Americans, right, we're reading this, and we're like, what is is going on here? All these, these feel like random animals, but these are very specific animals, especially once the law was established. These are very specific animals that we won't get into right now, but all of this is intentional. God's not just up there saying, hey, bring me that one. Uh, Let's go, yeah, three-year-old, one of those. He's not just picking random. He's very intentional. Again, it's a good study to do, but we won't get into it today. Verse 11, after he had cut all these in two and he placed them, uh, and when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. What an interesting verse. Abram drove them away. This makes sense in the natural, but I would think also in the spiritual, this is such a, an instant of what God, when God calls us to salvation, this is exactly what happens in the spiritual realm. I'm about to make covenant with God. I'm about to go into covenant with God, and these vultures They come down, and they're trying to mess up the process. And how many times have people been in church, and they've been, God is calling them, hey, raise your hand, go down front for prayer, give your life to Christ. And in those moments, these spiritual vultures of pride and selfishness and these these distractions come, and they mess up the whole process, and somebody didn't go forward when they should have. This is the same thing Jesus talked about in the, in the, in the, so, the parable of the sower. What happens? You sow the seed, which is good seed, but the birds come and they steal the seed before it can bear fruit. It's the same picture. If we're not careful, the devil is always waiting to mess up God's plan for you. But what did Abram do? Get out of here. You're not going to mess this up. I'm going in covenant. Let's go to verse 12. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. He fell asleep. This is the same picture of what God did with Adam in, in the, early on in the book of Genesis when, when he puts Adam to sleep to get a rib to make Eve. He puts Abram asleep, and it says, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Why? Because in the next few verses, God goes and he lays out and he shows Abram, this is what's going to happen in your family. 
This is what's going to happen in the future generations. You guys are going to go through some stuff. You're going to be enslaved. However, at the end of it, I will see you through. You're going to go through trials, but I will see you through, and the promise will be fulfilled. And so Abram is asleep, yes, but he's also very much aware of what God is doing. He puts him asleep, and here's what happened in Genesis 15, 17. Let's go down a few verses. And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces of the animals. So what happens? God and Abram are making covenant. God puts Abram asleep. If he was asleep and not aware, then this whole thing doesn't make sense. Abram has to be aware of what God is doing in this covenant process. And here's we see the smoking oven and this burning torch. This is God passing through the animals that are, that are split in half. Split in half down their spine and separated. Here's the thing. Smoking oven, burning torch. In the presence of God, we see those sim- symbolic time and time again. But I would like to make us look a little bit deeper and make the statement that this is the pre-incarnate Jesus walking through this blood trail. Here's why I say that. If we go to Revelation, let's go to the end of the Bible, Revelation now, in verse 1, 14 and 15, this is a description of Jesus, and it says this, as he's looking, his head, this is Jesus, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire, his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. Everything we're talking about aside, aren't you glad that you have Jesus on your side? Like just this description alone. There's a lot of other descriptions that are, that are pretty bad, like don't mess with this guy. But this description alone, I'm glad that he's backing me. It doesn't matter the, what the enemy is doing in my life. I got somebody with some power and with some authority who is backing me when I go to battle. Praise God for it. But here's what we see. Flame and furnace. This is Jesus. This is Jesus passing through the covenant. So here's what's crazy. They cut the covenant. God puts Abram asleep, which is not normal. Normally, both people that are making covenant, both have to go down this bloody trail. Both of them have to make covenant promises. But only one does. And it seems lopsided. But as we get into this, we're going to see that it's not lopsided at all. It's actually very, very clear. So here we see Jesus on God's side, but also he is in the future going to be a descendant of Abram or Abraham walking down the blood trail. And, and what we see here is basically this, that God is making covenant, but he's making covenant with himself, with himself. Abram's job is to believe. That's, that's why earlier on in Genesis 15 it says, and he, Abram, believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Bear with me. I'm going to give you a lot of content up front, but at the end here, I'm going to show you how significant this is for us. So what do we see? They cut the covenant, but Abram only viewed the process when normally both would go through. He just saw God walk down as, a, as a, the, the smoking pot and the torch walk through. The second thing we see is that they would test the covenant. They would test the covenant, and that's point number two. Because we can make covenant and we can cut covenant, but the covenant isn't really proven until somebody backs up the vows that they've made. How many of you know that, right? If someone's ever broke a promise to you, you know that very well. You can say that you're going to be there. You can say that you're going to promise me this, this, and this. But until you back it up with action, 
there's always a part of me that's like, are you really? And here's what God asks of Abram. God asks Abram, or Abraham at this point, he says, I want to see what's in your heart. He's going to test the covenant to make sure that it will stand the test of time. Let's read in Genesis 22. So we're going to go forward quite a few verses here. Genesis 22, 1 through 5. And now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. And he said, take your own son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of those mountains of which I will show you or tell you. Stop here for a second. Take your son, your only son, Isaac. We're going to get into this in a few weeks. Isaac is not Abraham's only son. In between the last time, the initial part of the covenant, and now, Abram or Abraham has decided to take matters in his own hands. Here's what he's believing for. He's saying, God, my wife, Sarah, and I, we are believing for a child. We are believing for a future generation, somebody that we can pass our, our, our blessing, our descendants. We need people. We need a child, but we are barren. And in that culture, it was a, it was a humiliating thing to be barren. And so eventually God comes and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you a bunch of descendants, right? As the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore, God makes all of these promises. But at a time, Abraham says, what's taking so long? And him and Sarah come up with a plan that Abraham would go with a maidservant and they would conceive a child. But this child is not recognized by Jesus, by God. It's not recognized. He says, take your son, your only son. He has another son. But God doesn't acknowledge the works of the flesh. God acknowledges the promises of his, his promises fulfilled in the spirit. It's too many times we are in covenant with God and we say, well, it's taking so long. I'm just going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to do my thing. And God says, no, I can't bless that. I can't use that because you acted as the Lord of your life rather than saying God's plan is greater trusting him. I'm in a different message. We're going to get to that in a few weeks. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. Uh, take your only son whom you love. Let's go to verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Some say he rose early so that Sarah wouldn't know that he was gone before they left so that Sarah wouldn't stop him. No, you're not going to sacrifice our only son, right, Isaac? Our promised child who is here, who is ours. Um, he rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose, and he went to the place where God had told him. Then look at this. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder, love that, and worship, and we will come back to you. We will come back to you. So God fulfills his promise. Abraham and Sarah conceive. At 100 years old, they have a child. His name's Isaac. Into his life, God tests Abraham's covenant, and he says, hey, I need you to sacrifice your son. So Abraham says, all right. So they leave early one day, and it's a three-day journey from the time they left to the time they go to actually sacrifice Isaac. Abraham knew this much, though. He had faith in God. He knew God's character, and he says, we will come back to you. We're going to go, we're going to worship, but we're going to come back. Abraham knew this. 
even if, he knew God's character by this point, even if I sacrifice my son, God will resurrect him. He also knew God's character. Our God is not a God of human sacrifice. And any version of Christianity that is okay with human sacrifice is perverted and twisted and anti-Christ. That's why abortion is such a big deal. If we're not careful, we fall into this trap. That's not our God. Our God doesn't kill humans. He doesn't say sacrifice humans. He doesn't say that. He says, I, Jesus says, I am the sacrifice that is sufficient enough. No one else has to die. I got it. Our God is so much greater. Any version is twisted, perverted, anti-Christ, though. That's, that's, he settles it here. Let's go to Genesis 22, verse 10. Sorry, man, I'm getting all over the place. Bear with me. We're getting to it. And verse 10, and Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son. There it is. Your only son, once again, from me. Here's what happens. God tests Abraham. He gets up early. He says, all right, I'm going to go. It's a three-day journey. God stops Abraham from making the sacrifice. Here's why. Abraham had sacrificed Isaac in his heart the moment that God told him to go, three days before. We like to think, well, he, was, he sat by raising his hand and doing the knife. That's the moment that Abraham decided in his heart that he was going to sacrifice Isaac. But no, I would say that it's three days earlier when he walked in obedience to God. God said, go sacrifice your son. And by just saying, okay, I'll do it. And by sneaking away with no one else knowing early in the morning, his heart had already made the decision. I'll do it. That's going to be significant here in just a second. Three days. Three days and then the sacrifice. And on the third day, Abraham knew even if he had to sacrifice Isaac that God would resurrect him. And in Genesis 22, 15 through 18, we see the end of this, and it says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time, and he said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies man I love that in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice let's recap the testing of the covenant why is it important to test it because the testing of the covenant is the confirmation of the covenant and here's what that means for us, is that there will be times in our life where God placed tests in our life. Tests. Because he wants to see, will you show me, he already knows, but will you show me what's in your heart? But when I say tests, here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about temptations. Our God leads us out of temptation. He cannot lead people into temptation. I'm not talking about temptations. I'm not talking about a sickness 
That's not what I'm talking about. Jesus paid a price. Why? We could, by his stripes, we were healed. He's already paid for sickness. He will not give it. Uh, Jesus never gave sickness to anyone when he was here on this earth, and he was the walking, talking, perfect will of God. So that's out the window. I'm not talking about sickness as a test. I'm, I'm not talking about attacks from the enemy. I'm not talking about stealing, killing, or destroying your property, your family, any relationship in your life. That's not what I'm talking about. That's the devil's job, not God's job. I'm talking about sacrificing. What is sacrificing? It's usually something I love. It's usually something that's near and dear to my heart. That's the test. He's testing the two conditions, and many times in our lives, he'll test the two conditions of the new covenant, which is what? Believe and death to myself. Meaning this, he's going to say, do you believe me enough to sacrifice something in your life? Not physically, right? We don't have to split a bunch of animals and, and, and nothing like that. Not sacrifice physically, spiritually. Sacrificing is not easy, though. It may be a relationship. It may be my pride, which is usually the biggest one. I need to sacrifice my pride and walk in the will. I may be sacrificing a, a job, a relationship. Hey, I love you, but man, we're going in two different directions. I need to, I need to lay this relationship down and go a different way. Here's why this is important. After the test, after the confirmation of the Abrahamic covenant, all of the promises are fulfilled. So though you may face tests in your life, this is why James says, count it all joy when you face trials. Can I tell you, the first time I read that, I was like, I don't think so, James. I'm not counting it all joy. That doesn't make any sense. This is the worst. He says, count it all joy. Why? Because you persevere. And at the end of it, your faith is stronger and the promises will be fulfilled. So we say, man, it's taking longer than I think. And we, we, we relate to Abraham. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. But God says, stop. Trust me enough to keep standing, to keep walking, to keep praying, and to keep trusting the covenant that we've made. And if you will, I may test it, but I want to see what's in your heart so I can fulfill it. I've got to fulfill it, but I need to see if you're real on your part or not. And it just confirms that with every sacrificial death in Christ, there is a glorious resurrection. Anything you lay down for Jesus, he, he, bring, he resurrects it with something better, a better version of it or something totally different that is better than what you sacrificed, guaranteed. The last thing I'll show us is this. This is where it all comes together. The Abrahamic covenant is our model. You guys doing okay? You still with me? I know I'm covering a lot here, but just this is... This is the part of the, the whole message today. Because if we're not careful, we look, at, we look at Abraham and we say, well, that was Abraham and that's a good story and, and that's great. That was for Abraham. It's great content. It's great head knowledge. But this is where it goes from head knowledge to heart knowledge right here. It's our model. It's our model for the new covenant. In the Abrahamic covenant, God shows how this thing is going to work between us and him today. So let's, let's look at what we've seen so far in Scripture. From the time that God initiates covenant with Abraham to the time that he tests the covenant with Abraham, with Abraham, it's 33 years. 33 years. We see God making covenant with Abraham, and we they cut the covenant in one night. But the covenant process, which we're going to look at in the next several weeks, is a lot more than just cutting the covenant. That's one step. From the moment that God initiates covenant to when he tests it, which confirms it, is 33 years. When he tests it, what does he do? He says, go and sacrifice your son. Abraham's response is, I will. 
and he sacrifices him in his heart, walking in obedience for three days, knowing that on the third day he will put the knife in him, sacrifice him, and even if he does, God will raise his son from the dead. You guys see where I'm going with this? It's all coming together. In the very spot that God led Abraham to go and to sacrifice his son, it was the same hilltop, the same side of that mountain where Jesus, 2,000 years later, would die. The same place, 2,000 years later. So let's look at Jesus then. Jesus, 33 years of age, laid down his life as a perfect sacrifice on the same spot where Abraham sacrificed or would have sacrificed Isaac. Lays down his life. Three days later, God resurrects him and establishes this, and it starts the process of this new covenant that's taking place. But here's where we can't miss it, is we can't separate those two events. Because the temptation is, well, 2,000 years earlier, Abraham went to this spot, and he was going to sacrifice Isaac, so that 2,000 years later, God could sacrifice his only son. Abraham's only son, God's only son. I would say this, we can't separate the two. Jesus is everything. Jesus, when he died, was the son of God. But what did he call himself many times when he was here on earth? The son of man. More specifically, he was the son of Abraham. Matthew 1.1, the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, it says the son of Abraham. When Jesus died on the cross, he was dying as the sacrifice for God's side of the covenant and Abraham's side of the covenant. Isaac didn't have to die because Jesus was Abraham's son. He was his representative. Abraham didn't have to walk down the bloody trail and make the covenant vow. Jesus, pre-incarnate Christ, walked down the bloody trail and made covenant with who? Himself, the heavenly father. He's in covenant with himself and guess what? We get now to believe and be a part of it. We get to believe and be a part of it. Jesus died as God's son, but as Abraham's son. Can you see that if we just look at the Bible, that no man can come up with this? No man can think through a big plan 2,000 years apart and put all this together. This is God breathed. The plan from the beginning was all about Jesus. It all points to Jesus. Do you see how good our God is? He does, he does all the heavy lifting himself. All he asks is, will you believe? Will you believe? When Abraham and God cut the covenant in Genesis, Abraham was put to sleep. Jesus passes through and he made the covenant with himself. And when God needed a sacrifice for mankind, he provided the sacrifice, not just for mankind, but for his side of the covenant as well. He tested both sides through Jesus. This is why our, con our covenant with God is so strong. Because in 2 Timothy 2.13, it says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. What does that mean? He can't deny himself. He's in covenant with himself. It's, um, it, it, the covenant, <laughs> the new covenant is unbreakable. He's in covenant with himself. We get to believe and benefit from it. 
oh man, there's just, there's, covenant touches everything, okay? There's so much in here. And I'm telling you, the next few weeks, you gotta be here because there's a million places I could go from here. But hear me in this. As I wrap this up, and I'll finish with this. Many people think, that's a good story. That's for Abraham. Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and he got a son in the impossible situation. He's 100 years old and God provided the promise. And good for Abraham. He's the father of our faith. Yes, he is. And we, but we put him over here. But God wants to make Abraham's story personal to you. And in Galatians 3.29, it says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We have access, not just to our new covenant, but we get to actually benefit from the Abrahamic covenant as well. I'm gonna make a statement that may shock you, and I hope that it does, because it, it, it shocked me. When God showed me this in scripture, this is how much God loves you. God wants to show you his goodness and his faithfulness even more than he wanted to show it to Abraham, the father of our faith. He sees you. He wants to prove himself even more than he proved himself to Abraham. Now that seems a little extreme, right? Let's look at scripture. Hebrews 6, 13 through 15. It says this, for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear an oath by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply you. And so having patiently waited, Abraham obtained the promise. When we swear, we take an oath. Even in America, what do we do? We put our hand on the Bible. We raise our right hand. I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. We are swearing on somebody higher than ourselves. God shows up on the scene. He says, just want to confirm once again, there is no one higher. I am the highest. I am the greatest. I am the most holy and righteous. I will swear even by myself then that I will see the promises fulfilled. And here's where it gets personal for us. Hear this. In Hebrews 6, 17, it says, in the same way God, desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise, who's that? Us. We just read that verse. We are heirs of the promise. The fact that his purpose is unchangeable, confirmed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have been taken, who have taken refuge in him is what it means, would have strong encouragement to hold firmly to the hope set before us. I know I'm giving you a lot of content, but hear this. God loved Abraham so much that he did the impossible. He provided a son. He provided a way for us to have salvation through his son, Isaac, years later. In the same way, though, God desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise. He wants to show you, not just, I read a verse and that encouraged me a little bit. He wants to demonstrate, meaning show you in the natural, his faithfulness and his goodness and that he has not given up on you. And that if he made a promise in here, you are heirs to it. And he says, I, he desiring, what is that? A fire in his belly. He desires to demonstrate it to you and to show you what he has. So what can we do? We can have confident expectation that our heavenly father wants to fulfill his promises because we are in covenant with him.
We believe and we get in on it. He's in covenant with himself and he cannot deny himself. When we know these verses, we can see and we can hold our head up a little bit higher because we understand when it says that we are heirs to the kingdom, heirs according to this, this promise that God made. He calls you royalty. We have something special. I can't get in it today, but it's through the blood. It's through a blood covenant. The devil can't mess with this covenant because the devil has no blood. He has a body. It's a spiritual body, but it's a body. He has no blood. And so he cannot interfere or steal these promises and this fulfillment. God cannot deny himself. Those buzzards, even when they try to come, they cannot steal the covenant because it was made. He has zero blood, so he has zero rights to the covenant. And this is why in in 1 John it says, guess what? It says that even the spiritual beings here on earth, they can't confess and even say that Jesus came in the flesh because it would confirm that he came and he shed his blood. And if they confirm that he shed his blood, it's a lost cause. Why are we even fighting? Do you see how we are fighting from victory then? I'm not striving for some answer from God. When I realize the covenant promises that are made to me, I can now walk and say, devil, you can't touch me. You don't have blood. You have no right to this. I have rights to these things. I have rights to the promises from God. That's his desire for us. And so, man, it burns in his belly to show you, not just talk about it. He wants to show you. And the devil, it makes him mad because he can't do anything about it. So are you tired? <laughs> are, you, are you sick? Have you been believing? Have you been praying? But you haven't seen the answer yet. As I was preparing this, God just, he put on my heart to tell you today, he desires to demonstrate his faithfulness to you. But it's through covenant. He says, I showed myself faithful to Abraham so I can do it even more so for you desire to demonstrate. Keep trusting, keep standing, keep praying. It may not have come. The answer may not have come as soon as you wanted it to, but he loves you. And this is why in Romans 4, it all makes sense. When Romans 4, 18, it says this, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and as so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. And here's the verse. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Fully convinced. Why? Jesus walked that bloody path. God made covenant with himself. It's unbreakable. God cannot deny himself. He cannot break his promise to you. I believe. And now, when I walk in covenant with him, I can pray expecting God to move on my behalf because it's not just some wishful thinking. It is blood-bought covenant with God. Come on, somebody. We can walk with confidence today. 
I put some reflection questions and some action steps on there for you this week. I won't get into all of them. I just need you to hear that today. No matter what you're believing for, no matter what season of life you're in, no matter how tough your week was, no matter how discouraged you are in not seeing an answer from God, his desire is to demonstrate his faithfulness, even more so than he did for Abraham. He loves you that much. Aren't you glad we're in covenant with a holy God? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you cannot deny yourself. And God, today, we lift up our prayer requests to you. We lift up our needs to you. We lift up the the desires of our heart as Abraham and Sarah desired to conceive. We lift up our desires to you. We thank you that your word is true. Time and time again, your faithfulness has proven itself. It's proven itself to Abraham and God. We believe it and we expect it because your word says you desire to show it to us, demonstrate it in our lives, and we receive it today. We build our faith today. We will be fully convinced that you are able to do whatever you promise. You've made promises to us, God, and we believe it. We're fully convinced. We expect it this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good. He is good and he does good. He can't help it because he's in covenant with himself. We get to be a part of it. We're gonna wrap up with some worship today, as we always do. If you're in here and you need prayer for anything, now's the time. And right now, God is gonna test his covenant with a lot of you. He's gonna test his covenant and say, will you sacrifice your pride to come get prayer and receive freedom today, receive healing today, receive salvation today, to rededicate your life to Christ? He's gonna test your pride. And in so he's testing your covenant. And I promise you, If you put your pride aside, whatever's keeping you from coming and getting prayer on either side up here, if you will sacrifice those things, the promises can be fulfilled. Would you get prayer today? Would you stand with me? We're gonna worship. If you wanna take communion, we have those communion elements available on each side. If you need prayer for anything, to give your life to Christ today, for healing, maybe you just need prayer for just because you want prayer. You don't even know why. You just need prayer. Come on down front. I'll have our prayer partners down here. Let's take a moment. Let's worship, and then we'll dismiss. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.